If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And you made a wonderful decision here as we kick off the day here this Tuesday. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash ToddHuffShow, where... Uh, I'm gonna have to. It looks like the next segment's this um, having issues here. Facebook. I tell you what. Facebook is a <laughs> is right now. It's just kind of become the mortal enemy of the Todd Huff Show. So we'll hopefully get that up and running. But it is still good to be here, no matter where you listen. Thank you for joining us. And by the way, I should mention that listening to this program can, in fact, cause you to lean to the right. Our team, our vast team of attorneys have told us that we must make this disclaimer known regularly so that folks do not have any accidents while operating heavy machinery. But this has been proven. 98% of scientists agree that listening can cause you to lean to the right. So just be advised. Uh, As we begin the program today, that could very well be the case. So I want to talk about the convention last night. I want to start with the obvious. I want to start with the obvious. I love it whenever the Republicans outproduce, outshow, out just perform the Democrats. And that is what happens. That's what's happened so far. Night one, we've got three to go. But I, I can compare and contrast this. I look at this and I think there is no way. Now, I know that there's a lot more that goes into politics than, you know, someone just simply being uh, superficial. But superficiality is one of the first prerequisites to being a leftist. How does something look? How does something sound? How good is the person's jump shot who is speaking at the moment? Whether that person prefers a college football playoff, all those sorts of things seem to matter dramatically, tremendously to the radical left. And they don't want to talk specifically. They don't want to talk about ideas much. Instead, they want to talk about these superficialities. In fact, that's what the Biden-Democrat convention was. We were told how good of a man, decent of a man, Joe Biden was. We were told that he had suffered loss, which is terrible, by the way. 
It's terrible that Joe Biden lost a wife years ago. It's terrible that he lost a child, an adult child, several uh, several years ago to brain cancer, his son Bo. That's absolutely atrocious and terrible. It does not, however, qualify someone, and I hope I can say this and you accept that I'm not trying to be harsh here, but that doesn't qualify someone to be president of the United States. It's not a contest as to who's had a, you know, um, who's overcome more obstacles. Or it, it's a it's a contest. It should be a contest between who casts the better vision for the United States of America. Who is responsible, or who is, I guess, I could say, who is um, who's the one that's following most closely the vision, I suppose, laid out by the founders. I mean, that's where we are today because we have two diametrically opposed ideas, two diametrically opposed uh, worldviews virtually with the parties in today's political world. That's where we are. But that's not what it's about. It's about it's about production. And so I compared this last night. And of course, Republicans, I think, may have learned or they just out witted the Democrats, they actually had their speakers primarily, not always, but primarily, they would go to a podium on a stage. The Democrat Party convention was awkward pauses. Again, reminds me of a Seinfeld like George Costanza. He says, I'm all awkward pauses. The Democrat Party was all awkward pauses. Mistimings, people staring at the camera, smiling for way longer than the average person would accept as being a normal thing. And it was because the timing was off. The reduction wasn't done properly. I don't know why. This is the These are the areas that Democrats normally shine in. They normally are, are better. They're, they're skilled at making things look better than what they really are. That's their skill set. I'm, I'm reminded of Nancy Pelosi back before the... 2018 midterm, she said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines that Democrats have great ideas, but they've struggled to communicate them. Bet me. Bet me that's the case. You don't have good ideas that you struggle to communicate. You've got terrible ideas that you communicate in ways superficially that connect with superficial voters or with people that are governed by emotions and feelings. It's not by logic. It's not by understanding the role and scope of the federal government, the responsibilities that it has, the things that it's able to do. You have a candidate that's out there saying he's going to cure cancer. People actually believe this stupid stuff. He's been in government a half century, hasn't cured it yet, but you just vote for him for president and suddenly... He's going to cure cancer. Well, isn't that lovely? You vote for me, I'll cure cancer. You don't vote for me, I guess Dr. Biden says. I won't cure cancer. I guess that's the way that we're supposed to look at this. But the Republicans outproduced the Democrats night one of this convention. There were not the awkward pauses. There were not the strange transitions. There were not the starting of speeches, pausing, and then starting over. We didn't have any of that. It flowed. It felt good. The timing, the production was so much better 
than the radical left. Again, now this is just one feature, but I only bring it up because this is how the radical left does things. This is how the Democrat Party focuses on things. This is where they put all their attention and focuses on how things look. Right? It's it's just that is as deep as it goes. It's skin deep. It's an inch deep and a mile wide. They can do everything for you. That's why the the breadth of what they promise is enormous. There's not one thing they don't think they can accomplish, but what they show you is just the what's on the surface. It's an inch deep. In fact, it's probably not even an inch deep. So that was to me the most obvious difference, just from a casual observer's beginning. You know, I listened to this. Uh, I didn't catch all of this last night, but I, I you know, I've, I've watched a lot of speeches since uh, since then as well. I saw Herschel Walker. I saw Jim Jordan. Um, and and some of these speeches were pretty good, pretty good, and much different sort of, I guess, uh, way of presenting a party's case was, you know, the Republicans did it, I think, a much a much better way. Night, I think, night one was 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 a good start to this thing. I I shared before last week. I shared that I, you know, one of uh, we we let our oldest son stay up to watch some of the convention i think it's i think it's good i want to explain some stuff to him and so forth and he made a comment last night he made this comment i didn't lead this i didn't you know push him to say this i didn't throw any leading you know questions out there or anything he just piped up and and said this last night when we were watching the pre-convention show and i've been watching this thing on abc and of course, there's a bunch of Rahm Emanuel's up there. The reporters, the 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 uh, the ones who are supposed to be the the hosts, the so-called journalists. They're of course leftists. Um, we've got George Stephanopoulos up there. He's of course the leftist. He worked with Clinton. And then they've got a couple. They got Chris Christie, and they've got some um, some female who is a Republican strategist, I believe, or pollster. But everyone else up there is, is leftist, as I'm watching Kenosha, Wisconsin on Fox News basically be burned to the ground um, on television here in the background. But so, but my son ch- chimes in, and he says, Dad, they looked a lot more excited last week, <laughs> which I thought was kind of a profound statement from an 11-year-old. They look a lot more excited. Talking about the journalists. And I looked at him like, yeah, you are, you're picking this up. I didn't tell him this because they did. In fact, you know, I read these headlines. I saw the New York Times emailed. Uh, I'm on their email list. And it says this, breaking, breaking news. This was breaking news last night. On night one of their convention, Republicans mounted a misleading defense of President Trump's record and painted a bleak portrait of Democrats. I'm sure some fact checker somewhere will say that Democrats being painted bleakly is a violation of facts, is a violation of truth. People are lying about the Democrats. Folks, you look around us. It is a stark choice at this particular point in time. It is a stark choice. Now, you look at places like Kenosha now, Wisconsin, like Chicago, like take your pick with lots of cities, Portland, 
Portland is an utter disaster. Seattle, Chop, Chaz. This nation, this nation, when you look around the fruited plain here and you go city by city, you go to these cities that are run by the radical left, how they're unwilling to actually stop these folks from effectively taking over. I mean, we have insurgencies all around this country in cities by radicals, and they allow this stuff to go on. And so Republicans pointing this stuff out, pointing this stuff out, of course, is I'm sure factually incorrect according to these fact checkers, which fact checkers, again, fact checkers are just journalists. When you hear the word fact checker, just realize you're dealing with another journalist. You're dealing with a journalist who's probably been exposed for being biased. You're dealing with a journalist who almost certainly has a worldview that is that coincides with the political objectives of the radical left. You almost certainly have someone who wants to see this nation move further left and believes that person believes that he or she is part of that process to move America to the right, well, to move them to the left, but on the right course, which is towards liberalism. These are the fact checkers. When they chime in, it's just the media. Just when you see the fact checkers, just think this is a New York Times columnist trying to get political cover for what he or she maybe can't get away with writing in an article, get that past the conservative. Now they'll make it a fact. President Trump is not telling the truth. Again, the headline here says, on night one of their convention, Republicans mounted a misleading defense. Well, why is that breaking news to the New York Times? According to the New York Times and radical leftists, President Trump's told about 9 million lies. I mean, if you do the math on the number of lies they say Trump says, it's like 47 a minute. I'm using hyperbole here, but you get the point. Why is this breaking news? To my son's point, why were they so much excited, so much more excited last week during the Democrat convention? Why was the way that they introduced the speakers done differently? Why? We all know the answer to this. You know, I go back and forth. Sometimes I think maybe some of these folks don't even realize what they're doing. I think some of them it's completely orchestrated and intentional. But regardless, the end is still the same. The end is still the same. This thing, comparing these two conventions, comparing the Republicans' first night with the Democrats' first night, dramatically, just on its surface, and we haven't even touched on content yet, which we'll do, but I'm just talking on its surface, which is where the liberals want to play. It's where the liberal battlefield exists, is on the surface. There is no depth. There is no substance. There's nothing there. There is no man behind the curtain even. It's just simply a facade. It's fake. It's phony. It's virtual. It is simulated. It is not real. They have a virtual candidate, a simulated campaign, and they hope to have a simulated election that they can somehow somehow get away with doing things that will make the odds that they'll be able to pull a victory out here more likely. Mail-in ballots and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, they lose night number one. Democrats do. They lose night number one on in the area that they're supposed to be the experts, which is in the superficiality world, on the surface and production value. They get smoked by Republicans. 
And of course, we knew they'd get smoked on content, which we'll get into as well. But we'll do that here after our first time out, which it is time to do. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Before I get into the content portion of this and play some sound bites, even even a couple, because these speeches are pretty short, a couple of these speeches I think I want to play in their totality. We'll have to look at time uh, available. But I want to say this before we get into that. We have the experts, right? The experts out there telling us what Trump needs to do at the convention. And there's an expert on ABC, and I have to tell you, I'm drawing a blank on it. I didn't, I didn't uh, plan to talk specifically about this. I had to jot it down here that experts, they do worry. They worry. GOP experts worry. Oh, they wring their hands when Trump goes on the attack. Oh, he can't do that. He can't do that. He's got to get his approval numbers up from 41 or whatever they say it is. They got to get it to 50. And this guy, whoever he is, used to be a um, part of the Bush, George W. Bush administration, and he's wringing his hands over this. The experts say Trump cannot go on the attack. Trump cannot go on the offensive. That will just destroy his chances of winning the election. I say this, Trump does things Trump's way. And I'll say this, the Democrats, the policies that they've come up with are literally destroying cities in this country. They are. They're literally destroying cities. They're literally charging people, as they did with this couple in St. Louis. They're literally charging them with crimes for trying to protect their property from a group of protesters who... Actually, you could say rioters because they breached a gate to a private community, right? They either tore it down or climbed it. I don't know what all they did, but I mean, I think I've seen pictures where this thing was kind of hanging. You know, it wasn't, uh, they didn't have a key. They didn't have the code. They just breached the gate, charging to wherever they were going. I think to the mayor's property who didn't even live back there. It's just who knows? So they go out with, with weapons to their front yard and basically say, we're going to defend our property and our lives. We don't trust hundreds of people coming through our neighborhood who've already acted with violence by storming the gates. Storming the gates. For some reason, the left thinks that the folks holding the weapons, protecting their homes are the ones who are to be blamed in this situation. For some reason, for some reason, the left and Democrat leaders have a problem with telling people who have taken over cities for people who are basically running an insurgency campaign, taking over the cities of Seattle and Portland and Kenosha now, which is on fire, Chicago, whatever, Wherever they've taken over, wherever they've ruled, wherever they've acted like rioters, right? We've even seen we've seen mayors of cities hesitate in criticizing them. 
We've seen leaders, governors, not take action to stop this stuff. It's pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic. What is wrong with President Trump or some other speaker pointing out that they, these policies, these ideas, these are not ideas. These are emotional responses. These governors, these mayors, they're looking at this and they're saying the folks that are out there storming and rioting in the streets are supporters of the Democrat Party. It's an, that's the energy. When there's you talk about energy for Joe Biden, and when you talk about energy in the Democrat Party, you look at the the energy in the Republican Party. It's much higher than it is in the Democrat Party. And not only is it higher, it's purer. There's people who want to vote for Trump because they believe in what he's doing. They believe in taking away the bureaucratic state. They believe in reducing taxes. They believe in standing up for religious liberty. You look at where the energy is on the left, it's in this radical circle. If you're not in the radical circle, everyone else falls into the category where they put the hashtag out that says, what is it, Biden? Something about Biden will settle for Biden. That's it. So you're either burning the cities down. I'm oversimplifying this to a point, but you get the, the message here. That is the, that's where the energy resides in the Democrat Party, the folks that have set these cities on fire. These folks who are demanding God only knows what. These folks who are out there justifying, taking things. Where there's this uh, Black Lives Matter leader in Chicago, I think it was. She says, I don't care if you loot a Gucci or a whatever she said. I don't even know what these stores are. I don't shop at these stores. I don't even know what these places are. It doesn't matter. It's not their property. But yet she justifies it because they probably owe you anyway. Just take it. It's yours. Got a pair of shoes in a department store in Chicago? That's really your shoes because you have been oppressed by that business. Walk in there, bust out the window, grab the shoes, douse the store with gasoline or whatever, and light a match. You're justified. Democrats are letting this happen. Democrats are not standing against this. This is pathetic. Don't tell me. Republican strategists who are wringing your hands. Oh my goodness, is Trump going to go on the attack? Is Trump going to paint the Democrats as part of the problem? Is he going to go and attack them for what they've done in these cities? Yeah, and I'm glad he does because this is this is what they represent. This is what they represent. And I understand, look, they're not responsible for the actions that these people take. But I tell you what, when the actions are taken and nothing is done to stop it because they're, they're afraid of some political fallout, they don't want to be perceived as being on the wrong side of the issue because the people burning down the city are wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts. The crap should that have to do with anything? Get it together. Don't tell me Trump shouldn't exploit this and point this out. Of course he should. We have two diametrically opposed viewpoints perspectives. We have two diametrically opposed worldviews. I mean diametrically, folks. One that says what you earn first goes to the government and they'll basically divvy it up. What you say needs to be run through the thought police, the, the PC crowd. They'll tell you if you can say a particular statement or have a certain opinion. They'll also tell you that what you believe at your core is certainly racist and homophobic and 
you know, it's, uh, it expresses your gender phobia or whatever. You have racist tendencies that you don't even know you have that they can point out. And they can not only point out, but they can, they can propose policies that will fix you. The equivalent of re-education camps. All because you want to stand for the national anthem or something like that. Racist. By the way, I was watching last night. I was watching as the ABC News journalist, if you want to call her that, she introduced, as she put it, Rona McDaniel. It's Rona McDaniel. And I thought if we mispronounce the name of someone like we do with Kamala Harris versus Kamala, if you say Kamala versus Kamala, you're racist. I learned that this week. It's a very easy mistake to make. That's racist. I wonder if calling her Rona Daniel is also racist or is it sexist? It's not any of those things because Rana McDaniel is a white Republican. You can say whatever you want about her. In fact, you can probably accuse her of being racist because she is white. Doesn't understand her white privilege. Doesn't understand all the hatred she has for people who don't look like her. Doesn't understand that each and every day when she wakes up, she is part of the problem. That's for the journalists and for the left to correct. So they can call her Rana or Rona or whatever they want to want to call her. The hypocrisy here is so thick. The superficiality of their arguments is obvious for anyone who wants to see. There is no depth. There is no substance. There is no truth. And to say that Trump cannot attack or go after or point out the broken, and I mean completely broken, ideas that are, well, promoted by the Democrat Party is foolish. And I'm glad to see some of the things that we saw. Anyway, quick timeout. Come back and play some of the of the sound bites we heard last night. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Did you hear Jim Jordan's speech last night? Jim Jordan's speech was very good. I'm going to play it for you right now. It's a couple minutes long, short to the point. Shares a personal story about President Trump. Makes some very good points, and I want to share this because if you haven't heard this, I think it's I think you'll like it. So here's Jim Jordan last night at, well... He's at his home, or looks like he's at his home. He wasn't on the stage last night, but nonetheless, this aired last night at the Republican convention, and there was not the need for awkward pauses. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't like the equivalent of B-roll footage rolling in the background until they got this clip ready to air. It went smoothly into this, and here's what Jim Jordan had to say. Good evening. I'm Congressman Jim Jordan, representing the 4th District of Ohio. The Republican Party is the pro-America party. President Trump is the pro-America candidate. This election is about who can preserve the values, principles, and institutions that make America great. Don't believe me? Look at what's happening in American cities. Cities all run by Democrats. Crime, violence, and mob rule. Democrats refuse to denounce the mob, and their response to the chaos? Defund the police, defund Border Patrol, and defund our military. And while they're doing all this, they're also trying to take away your guns. 
Look at the positions they've taken in the past few months. Democrats won't let you go to church, but they'll let you protest. Democrats won't let you go to work, but they'll let you riot. And Democrats won't let you go to school, but they'll let you go loot. President Trump has fought against each of their crazy ideas. He's taken on the swamp, all of the swamp, the Democrats, the press, and the never-Trumpers. And when you take on the swamp, the swamp fights back. They tried the Russia hoax, the Mueller investigation, and the fake impeachment. But in spite of this unbelievable opposition, this president has done what he said he would do. Taxes cut, regulations reduced, economy growing, lowest unemployment in 50 years, out of the Iran deal, embassy in Jerusalem, hostages home from North Korea, a new U.S. MCA agreement, and of course he's building the wall and rebuilding our economy as we speak. I love the president's intensity and his willingness to fight every day in Washington for our families. But what I also appreciate about the president is something most Americans never get to see, how much he truly cares about people. Our family has seen it. Two years ago, our nephew Eli was killed in a car accident. He lived a mile up the road from us, grew up wrestling and training with our boys, was a high school state champion, varsity athlete for the University of Wisconsin. It was a Saturday morning, three days after the accident. I walked to the car to head up to Eli's parents' home when the president called. We talked about a few issues, and then he asked how the family was doing. I said, they're doing okay, Mr. President, but it's tough. The president said, yeah, losing a loved one is always difficult, and it's really tough when they're so young. I then said, Mr. President, I'm actually walking into their house right now. Obviously, they don't know that I'm talking to you, but if you'd be willing to say hello to Eli's dad, you'd make a terrible day a little less terrible. What's his name? The president asked. I walked through the door and said, Todd, the president wants to talk to you. For the next five minutes, family and friends sat in complete silence as the president of the United States took time to talk to a dad who was hurting. That's the president I've gotten to know the last four years. The president who shared private moments like this with soldiers, victims of violent crime, and people who've had businesses destroyed by the mob. That's the individual who's made America great again and who knows America's best days are still in front of us. And that's why I'm busting my tail to help him get reelected. I'm asking you to do the same. Thank you, and God bless our country. Good speech. Good speech. Good points that were made at the beginning. Again, contrasting the Democratic Party's vision for this nation and what President Trump, what the Republican Party, by and large, and of course there are exceptions, it's not, you're never going to hear me be a, well, unless they change, change across the board. I'm not a Republican Party cheerleader, but he's right on this. Democrats have crazy, ludicrous, indefensible ideas on issues like Public safety, like what to do with rioters, like what to do when uh, someone breaks the law, burns down a city. You don't give those folks control. You make sure that they are removed. You have to allow safety and general society to function. So he makes those points quite well, lays out the stark differences in what the radical left, through its party of choice, the Democrat Party, wants to do and what President Trump and Republicans and specifically conservatives want to see happen as well. And those 
that view, those perspectives are truly the antithesis of one another. But he also ends with a story, and that story is heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. The loss of a son, family loses a son, a young adult, college, uh, college-aged student, young man, tragically dies. President Trump speaks with the family, offers hope, shares in their moment of pain and hurt. You know, we're not supposed to believe these things about President Trump. We're supposed to believe that he says, Jim, just give him my best. I got to go play 18. Jim, I couldn't care at all about this family. Good luck with all that. That's not what happens. And, you know, that's the sad truth of this is that when you see what President Trump does behind the scenes in situations like this, see, people, it's not really classy. And they do this. Democrats do this. You know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says not to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know, but too many, too many people today want to be praised for doing good. If you've been praised for doing good, if you said, look at what I've done, world, pat yourself on the back. The Bible says you've received your reward in full. There you go. Congratulations. I hope you enjoyed that moment where you bragged on how great you were. But if you do it for the right motivations, if you're not doing it for the pomp and circumstance, if you're not doing it so that you'll be praised and adored and respected and you know talked about for how wonderful of a human being you are, there's a different set of rewards for that that's viewed differently by God. And you hear stories like this. You do. You hear stories like this with President Trump, and not just President Trump, but you hear these things. You hear a Secret Service talk about him. And you want to listen listen to the differences in the way that the Secret Service talks about President Trump. And for those who served with Bill and Hillary Clinton, just take a listen to those stories. And that's just one viewpoint. But it's a pretty consistent viewpoint. It's a pretty consistent viewpoint. And that says more about a man than some of the stuff I've seen during um, the Democrat campaign, Democrat convention. Going through tragedy is terrible and sad, but expressing and exhibiting character through difficult times is something altogether different. And so Jim Jordan shared that story. I'm glad he did. It's pretty emotional to hear. It's a sad circumstance, terrible situation for the family. Shows the humanity of our president, the humanity that's been under assault by the media and the Democrat Party since the moment they started taking his campaign seriously. So anyway, that's Jim Jordan. I've got to take a break. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, night number one is in the books. President Trump, President Trump, um, was well, is officially the nominee after night number one last night. 
He spoke last night a couple of times. He speaks, he's on the docket to speak every night, which I love, by the way. You know, I think even if you don't like the president, if you just think about these things objectively, I think people begin to ask themselves, could Biden have done that? Could Biden have spoken every night? Could Biden have done his little silly, you know, sit down on the on the stool in front of the screen and have a conversation, a virtual conversation with four or five people on a virtual screen? Could he have done that every night? Could he have done that if it was live on the spot? President Trump did that last night. President Trump stood up there with folks that were law enforcement, police, excuse me, firefighters, I think uh, nurses, maybe a teacher, a truck driver, had an impromptu conversation with them. I chuckle because when someone would mention something that had political connotations, which of course is any word now in the English language, President Trump would chime in and, and make comments about how it's been, you know, basically misrepresented in the media or some such thing, and it entertained me and it entertained, I think, the people on that stage with him last night as they were having that conversation. But could Biden have done this? Remember last night, I, I, I mean, I'm sorry, last week, I think that we hit the the peak. That's the peak point in the Democrats' hope. Right now, their entire campaign is now predicated upon keeping Trump from closing the gap, if you want to look at it that way, if you want to look at polling that way. But they think that they're ahead, and now they're just basically trying to hold him off. They're trying to keep him from catching them, eliminating that gap, and then, of course, blowing past them, which, of course, is a complete possibility here. They act as though President Trump has no chance, but the truth is he's got a he's got a good chance. He's got a very good chance, especially if things continue to improve in the economy, especially if things continue to improve with COVID in spite of, I mean, it almost seems sickening sometimes. You can almost sense that some people want this madness to continue this they want to see bad economic circumstances they want to see cities refusing to open they want to see negative news with coronavirus i mentioned this what yesterday you think about this how sick is it sick is it to think that when you hear news from the trump administration that a therapeutic treatment that's apparently from what we can ascertain has helped 35, 35% reduction in, in mortality. If you don't cheer that, I said this yesterday, if you don't cheer that, you are by definition part of the problem that we face today in this nation. Anyway, going to take one more break. Come back, wrap up hour number one, but fear not, hour two will continue on YouTube. You're listening here to the home of conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So here we are. Day number two, we'll have the Republican convention here again this evening. Trump will be out there, other speakers, promoting the Republican message, promoting the differences between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. And this is just, look, this is, they're being beat at their own game here, the Democrat Party is. They're being outproduced. They've been 
outperformed. Of course, we're only one night in, but this is clear. I mean, the, the, the contrast between these two conventions so far is light years apart. And again, we've only had one night of this, but I expect more of the same. I expect if anyone's going to get a bump here in polling after the convention as President Trump, we know Biden did not get one. Anyway, we'll continue this discussion into hour number two, which you can catch on YouTube. Thanks for listening. SDGC in a few.